Philippians chapter number 3, and I'd like to begin reading in verse number 3. Philippians chapter number 3, verse number 3, and I want us to notice a phrase that Paul uses in this passage of Scripture. Paul says, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, an Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus." Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, that as we gather in your house tonight with uh, reminiscent minds back on your faithfulness throughout the 2019 calendar year, that, Lord, we can't think of a single occasion in which you've failed us. Lord, we can't think of a single occasion in which one of your promises has not been uh, valid and real and durable and, Lord, standing. Father, we can't think of a single moment in which you have forsaken us or abandoned us. Lord, as we look forward into this coming year, I pray that you'd help us, based upon your spotless track record, to have an unshakable faith in your promises, in your goodness, in your character, in your faithfulness. And Lord, may we not only rest upon it, but Lord, may we advance with it. And Father, may we grow in our walk with you. And we'll be sure to thank you for any fruit that may abound to our account from it. And we'll be sure, Lord, to thank you for what takes place tonight. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. I want you to notice what Paul says in verse number 13 and verse number 14, because it'll inform our thought for this evening. Paul says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Now, he's looking backwards when he says that. He says, I look backwards and I look presently at where I am. But he says, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I wonder if the Lord will help me tonight to preach for a few moments on reaching forth into a new year. This time of the year, you know, I'm always, I don't know why, my mind just works this way. I'm a bit of a cynic, I guess, and and a bit of a skeptic in some ways. I can be cynical about things. Uh, You know, in some ways, this day is no different than yesterday. Uh, We'll write a different 
date upon our our uh, calendar when we sign our checks and date them. We'll put a different date there. If you're like me, you'll get it wrong until March. Amen. But eventually you'll get it right. And uh, we throw away the old calendars and we put up new calendars. But but substantively speaking, there's nothing different uh, today versus yesterday. Except in as much as we have set aside this time of the year, the new year has to start at a certain point, and in keeping with the seasons, this is the time that society has chosen for a new year to begin. And we've set aside this time as a season of remembrance, of looking backwards on some things. We have set aside not only as a season of, of retrospection, but a season of introspection for us to look inwardly about some things. And then we've set it aside as a time to look prospectively into the future, to plan, to set aside, to make goals and and, and set determinations for what we want to see ourselves do and, and as Christians what we desire to see God do in this coming year. And I'm reminded when I read this passage that really every day of our life we're doing a very similar exercise. We're resigning yesterday to the past where it cannot be touched. We're making plans for a future that we trust and hope will come to pass. But we're living in the present, in the cycle of time that we can touch and grab hold of and and manipulate and affect and and, and sort of master. And we're always sort of doing these three things, looking back, looking here, and looking forward. And what Paul writes here in the book of Philippians about our spiritual walk reminds me of some important things that this time of the year is a time for. And if the Lord will help me, I want to give you five things from this passage that I believe that New Year's is a time to do. It is an appropriate time for us to exercise these things in our life. Look back at verse number 8 with me, if you will. Verse number 8, in fact, we'll read down verse 8 through 11. Paul says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. Now he's talking about his old manner of life and way of living. And we'll say a word here in a moment about this, but not just bad, but good too. He's talking about everything in how he has lived and what he has done. He says, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. The excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Let me just pause there and make my point here. Paul says this, there's some excellency, some excelling things, some advancing things, some superlative, some superior things that I'm desiring out of the future of my life. You know, when we talk about excellency, we're talking about things that are a cut above everything else. And Paul says, I'm desiring for my knowledge of Christ to excel in my life. I wrote it down this way, that New Year's is a time to aspire to some things. You know, one of the things that has become culturally common is this thing of resolutions. And I I didn't want to give the time to it on a Wednesday night, but I had a whole series of statistics about resolutions, how how many of them we keep and, and what they're made about. And really, most of them have to do with us trying to quit being so fat. Amen. That's really what most resolutions are are about. They're, the, for the majority of society, it's either it's either people trying to quit being fat or people trying to quit smoking, which is going to make them fat. Amen. And and that seems to be the majority of what resolutions are about: getting healthier and 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 doing better. Uh, we recognize that the new year is a good time 
to take inventory of our life and to determine that there are some things we want to see grow and do better in the coming year. And I think even as God's people, this is the time of year to take inventory of our life and to consider whether or not there's some things that we want to do better in 2020. Can I tell you, there's some things I want to do better in 2020 than what I did in 2019. As a child of God, as the creation of God, as a new creature in Christ Jesus, we ought to always be advancing. Everything in life, it's either it's either growing or it's dying. It's either moving forward or it's moving backwards. Nothing in life is static. And the same thing is true of our spiritual life. We're either getting closer to God or we're getting further from Him. I want in 2020 to be getting closer to God. I want I want that excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. I want my knowledge of Him to excel above what I have heretofore had. I want it to excel above the knowledge I may have in any other area of life. I want to know more of Him in 2020. And that's what Paul says. He says in verse 10 that I may know Him. He said, I want to know Him greater. I think it's a time we ought to aspire, aspire to learn more about Him. I want to know Him better. In 2020, I want to know his heart more. I want his heart to be more like my heart, or rather I should say my heart like his heart. You know, oftentimes, and I'm reminded of this as I, and I'm not old, but I I am every year. I'm a year older, just like you are. And and that gets you thinking about mortality and gets you thinking about the things of life. And you're beginning to see, you know, people that you love and cherish go on home to be with the Lord. And, And one of the things that I am trying to give more attention to in my life is getting to know people better. Not just trying to get to know a bunch of people, but trying to get to know the people I know better than I know them now. And especially before the Lord takes some of them home, getting acquainted with them, learning more, asking them questions, drawing from the well of their wisdom, because there'll come a day I know it won't be as easy to do. I don't just want to learn about, I want to learn them more. Well, in the same respect, I want to spend 2020 learning the Lord Jesus more. I want my heart to be more in tune with His heart. Paul says, listen, I all these things in my life, and, and some of them are good things, some of them are bad things, but he said, I count all of them but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. None of those things matter. He says, all that matters in my life is that I know more of Him. Uh, it was said once by a wise man that if a person devoted themselves to the mastery of every single subject known to man at the expense of learning the Word of God, they would be more intellectually and morally bankrupt than a person that abandoned all those other ventures and focused on uh, mastering the truth of the Word of God. I want to know more of the book in 2020. I want to, I want to know it more, not just in the sense of, of cataloging verses that I can recall to my memory, but having a deeper and sweeter acquaintanceship with, with the truth of the Word of God. I want its wisdom to permeate my life. I want it to abound my uh, actions and, and I want its, its governance to be uh, absolute in everything that I do. I want to be more of a, now I, listen, I'm a Bible believer. I want to be more of a Bible liver in 2020. I want to learn about him. But not only that, I want to look like him. Look what Paul says in verse number 10. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. What does he mean when he says that? I think when he says the power of his resurrection, he's saying I want the life of Christ to be manifest through me more. 
We have a risen Lord and He's risen not just bodily and visibly. That is true that He's risen bodily and visibly and, and He seats at the right hand of God the Father. But it's also true that the life of Christ is manifest through those that know Him as Lord and Savior. Inasmuch as we live and walk in the strength and power of it, the power of Christ's resurrection is a reality in our life. He says, I want to know the fellowship of His sufferings. The Bible says, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, I'm not excited about suffering persecution, but I am excited about being so much like Him that the world has to persecute me. I am excited about looking so much like Jesus that when the world wants to, wants to hit Him, they hit me and think they've hit Him. That's the kind of uh, looking like Him that I want to be. Are you with me tonight? You come all this way on New Year's Day, you might as well enjoy the service. Amen? Hey, I want to look like Him. I, I, I want my life to be like Him. He says being made conformable unto His death. What does that mean? That means I want to die where He died. He, died, he, he became sin and then died as the punishment of that sin. And through the death of His body, the body of sin died. I want to die in the way that He died. He didn't die to never live again. He died and He rose from the dead to never die again. And when He died on the cross bearing our sin, sin died a death. And I want the sin of my life and my body to die in that same grave. I want to die to self and I want Christ to live through me. He says in verse 11, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. I've done a lot of preaching on this and I'm not going to do a lot on it tonight. But suffice it to say, the Bible tells us that the reason that God uh, raised us from the grave of our sins and, and what He seeks to achieve in the raising of us from the, the bed of our sins, both uh, spiritually and physically, is to make us like Jesus Christ. Uh, we are predestined, we are uh, destined to be conformed to the image of God's dear Son. We are foreordained to that. Uh, I didn't say that God chose some to go to heaven and some to go to hell. I said that those that choose Christ have an appointment made that one of these days, because they chose Christ, they're going to look like Christ. They're going to be like Christ. They're going to be raised and, and their vile body will be made like unto His glorious body uh, that now we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But uh, when He shall appear, we shall be like Him for we shall see Him as He is. God saved us to make us like Jesus. That's what the resurrection of the dead is all about. Paul says, I want to attain unto that. Is he saying, I want to do so many good works that God promises He'll raise me from the dead? I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's saying, I want my life to be and look and do like what God is intending to accomplish through the resurrection of the dead. In other words, through the resurrection of the dead, we're going to be made like Jesus. Paul says, I want to be made like Him now. I want to look like Him now. I want to live like Him now. The greatest thing you can aspire to in 2020 is to end this next year looking more like Jesus than you did when you began. Knowing Him better than you knew Him when it began. Living for Him more than how you lived for Him when it began. It's a time to aspire to some things. Look at verse number 12. Paul says this, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. I think this time of the year, it's a good time to acknowledge some things. That's what Paul's doing here. 
His, his language has, has elevated you to the loftiest heights of God's positional righteousness, of the standing glorious way that God sees us in Christ Jesus. We might say He's been up there in those, uh, in those heavenlies that He'd spend the book of Ephesians in, but now He comes back down to earth and He says, but you know, fellas, I gotta be honest. It's not as though I were already perfect. It's not as though I had already attained. He said, but I, I do follow after. He's saying, if I'm being honest, I, if I'm being realistic, if I'm being truthful, there's some things I have to acknowledge. There are some things in my life, Paul says, that aren't what they ought to be, but I want them to be what Christ wants them to be. You know, this time of year, is, it's a good time. Uh, there, there's, there's a couple things that we tend to stay away from this time of year. One is the IRS, and the other is bathroom scales. Amen? You know why? Because both of us are going to make us, uh, they're going to make us pay a bill that we rang up a long time ago that we've been putting off. Amen. And, uh, part of what we do this time of year, at least me anyways, I, I like to try to take inventory of some things in my life. And I like to reassess my finances. I, I don't like to do it, but I need to do it. I, I reassess my finances. I, a lot of times I'll go through and sort of uh, put away some of the, the uh, you know, paperwork and, and get those things on digital files and, and clean some things out. A lot of you probably, no doubt, you'll be doing that in the next few weeks. You've got your family is, is already gone. The holidays are over. You're going to uh, take a good hard look at your at your cupboards and at your cabinets and at your baseboard and look at the cobwebs. It's a time of the year to acknowledge some things so that we can start working on. And Paul says, you know, I've, there's some things I have to have to be honest about. First, I would say this. Paul acknowledges that there's some things that have to be removed. He says, I'm not perfect. Now, I know that that word perfect in the context of the Bible does not mean sinless. Rarely, I would say, does it mean sinless. But rather, it does mean something that is not complete. And I think what Paul is saying in using both of those words side by side, he's not being redundant. The Holy Ghost is never redundant or needlessly redundant. In saying that, I've not already attained. There's some things I want to get to that I've not got to. But he says, I'm not already perfect. I've not got everything sorted out in my life. There's still some things there, he said, that I that I wish weren't. You know, if we're being honest, there's probably some things in, in our life, in yours and mine, that if we're being truthful, they, we need to get rid of in 2020. And I'm not talking about those old cassette tape cases, amen, or those those old those broken sunglasses you're going to glue back together. I'm talking about there's probably some some sins in our life, some things we've not conquered, some things that that stick as a fly in the ointment of our walk with God. That if we're going to get our life in order this next year, we're going to have to get honest that those things are going to have to be dealt with. We might have put them off over 2019. We might have put them off through the holiday year. No doubt you have a list as long as your arm, you men especially, of things around the house that you've been putting off until spring. And you know if you don't deal with them, they're just going to get worse. Well, spiritually speaking, there's some things that probably in your life and mine need to be addressed. And now is the time to get honest about that. Not only did he acknowledge that there's some things to remove, but he acknowledges there's some things to improve. He says, I've not already attained. You know how we might say that? I haven't arrived yet. I've not got there yet. There's still room for improvement, Paul says, in my life. He says, I've not got everything worked out, but I've also not got everything fleshed out. There's still some areas of my life where I could walk a little closer, where I could live a little cleaner, where I could pray a little deeper, where I could serve a little stronger. 
Paul says, man, there's, there's always, and can I say this to you tonight? There's always room for improvement in your life and in mine. I don't care how close you are to God. There's always room for improvement. Take, take inventory of your life at this time of the year and ask yourself, hey, are there some things that I've let slip? Are there some things I used to do that I found a way not to do? Are there some things that I've started to do and that I used to never would have allowed? Paul says, we all have things to remove, things to improve. We all have areas of our life that we could be walking closer. And don't take for granted, just because you're doing even what you have done in the past, don't take for granted that you're doing everything that God wants you to be doing. Because again, as living creatures, we ought to be advancing, we ought to be growing, we ought to be getting closer to God day by day. I think it's a good time to acknowledge some things. Look at verse 13. He says this, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Boy, that's something else. I mean, everything Paul had going on in life, he said I could boil it down to one thing. One thing I do above all others. He says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I, I want to do a little, a little expounding, a little exegesis here. And let's just use a little basic logic. I, th- I think that's the best approach to the Bible. If Paul meant by saying, I forget those things which are behind, I press forward to those things which are before. If what he meant by that is, I'm no longer going to even realize that they ever happened. I'm going to live in denial. I'm going to pretend like those things never occurred. Then why did he just get through saying in verse number 12, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. In other words, if his forward glance is such that it would eclipse any knowledge of what has happened in the past, how could he even say the things that he said in that verse? He just got through saying in the earlier passages about all the things that he had done and been. We we read them, but I, I'll read them again. In verse number uh, 5, he said he was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He just got through naming a bunch of stuff he used to do. So how could he say, I forget those things which are behind. I press forward unto those things which are before. Let me say them this way. I think that New Year's is a good time to archive some things. To archive some things. I, I, I hinted at this a moment ago, but I guess I should explain a little more. I... You know, when, when you're a pastor, you're, you do your own bookkeeping, basically, and, and uh, the government always wants to know, you know, your finances and this, that, and the other, and so you've got to keep meticulous records. And I learned a long time ago that if I, if I had to put everything on hard copy away, that every, every bill that was paid, every, every paper trail that happened, if I had to do all that on, on hard copy, man, I'd have to have a room in my house that was just nothing but papers, and I'd never keep it straight. So they make these glorious things. They're called scanners. And you can take that piece of paper and run it through it. it. It takes a picture. It makes an image of whatever that is on that paper. And so one of my housekeeping things I do at this time of year is I'll go through and I'll gather everything from the past year. And I can do this because years ago I gathered everything from years, years, years past. But now what I do is, is I keep a record in the past calendar year of whatever it is, a water bill or electric bill. And I go through and I take all of those things and I run them through the scanner and I make digital copies. And I, then I take all that old stuff and right in the garbage it goes. Now here's what I'm doing. I don't want to be tripping over those papers. So I make a copy in such a way that I can stick it back. It's not gone. If, if it needs to be referenced, it can be. 
But I don't want it cluttering up my workspace. So I archive it. I throw away that physical copy. I leave a digital copy that I'll never see unless it has to be referenced. And that way I'm free and clear to work wherever I need to. You know, I think that a lot of what Paul's talking about here is similar. You know, it's impossible, and I found this to be true in my life. The greatest way for me to remember something is to try to forget it. And the most surefire way that I can ever forget something is to commit it to memory. If I, if I say to myself, I'm going to try to, I, 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 I've got to remember this, most of the time I'll forget it. But usually in, in my life, if, if it's something that I, if I make a big deal out of it, uh, it's just, it's impossible to forget. How can Paul say, well, you can't just will yourself into forgetting things. Uh, there's always that memory there, but here's what you can do. You can determine that those things aren't going to clutter your spiritual workspace. You can make up your mind that you're going to file those things in your life where they belong and not allow them to trip you up in your living for Christ and walking for Him. I think this may help explain a little bit. I think there's two areas that Paul's really talking about. Not everything needs to be forgot. You don't want to forget your name. You don't want to forget your social... But there's some things we need to leave behind. For instance, I think the things which haunt us, we need to forget. We need to archive. The losses that we regret, the things, that the mistakes that we've made, the sins that we've committed, that we've confessed them to God, we've asked forgiveness, they're under the blood, uh, they're, they're under His righteousness, they've been dealt with, God's forgiven us of them. But sometimes if we're not careful, those things will, will, will climb out of the grave that we've tried to bury them in and they'll, they'll latch hold of us and drag us down and they'll haunt us and keep us from living for God. We'll begin to say, well, I, you know, I can't live for God. I've made this mistake. I've made that mistake. Or we'll begin to say when we try to live for God, well, there's no use in doing it because I'm just going to make the same mistakes that I've made in the past. Paul said, listen, all these things, and by the way, the things he mentions are a mixture of good things and bad things. He said, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. In the same breath, he said, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. There are some things Paul was ashamed of. Some things that they were the reason that even at the very cusp of his death, he said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. Man, he had spent years killing Christians and putting them in jail and trying to, in his words, laying waste to the church of the living God. He could let those things trip him up and stop him from serving God. But he said, I've committed that those things are in the past. They're under the blood of Christ. God's forgiven me of them. And I'm not going to let those things hinder or haunt me or keep me from living for the Lord. We need to archive those things which haunt us. But not only that, I would say we need to archive that which hinders us. And, and I'm going to make the distinction here. In the immediate context of what Paul's talking about, he's talking about the imputed righteousness of Christ. He's talking about the means of salvation. And he's saying, I'm not resting in those things. I'm not trusting in those things to get me to heaven. I've counted them but dung. I had to throw those things away. I had to count them as ineffective and insufficient to get me righteous before God. And instead, I had to have the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God, which is by faith in Christ Jesus. I couldn't depend on those to get me to heaven. I had to depend on Christ. And as that is the case... Some of what he's talking about isn't bad. Some of it's good. And he's saying essentially this, I learned I could not rest upon those things. I had to rest completely upon Christ. I wrote it down this way. If the things which haunt us are the losses that we regret, then I think the things which hinder us are sometimes the laurels that we rest upon. How many times is your flesh going to say to you, well, you know, you've done enough in 2019. Why don't you back away and let someone else serve the Lord in 2020? 
Think about all that you've done in the past five years, ten years living for God. Think about all that, you know, you've done enough. You can really, you can sit back and rest. Let me tell you something. There's times God makes us lie down in green pastures. But you better make sure if you're lying down in green pastures, you're doing it because the Good Shepherd told you to. Not because your flesh just got tired of the affliction that serving God is. The reality is that anything worthwhile done for God is done at the persecution and at the expense of the flesh. Our flesh never wants to do what God wants us to do. And if we're not careful, we won't just look back on the bad things and let them stop us from serving God. We'll even look back on the good things we've done and say, well, you know, I've done enough for God. I've done enough for God. You've done enough for God in 2019. Have you done enough for Him in 2020? Is He still worthy of your service in this next calendar year? Is He still, are you still as saved? Has He still been as good to you? Are you still a bond slave of Jesus Christ in 2020? Don't allow what you've done in 2019 to rob the fruitfulness of 2020. I think it's a good time to archive some things. Look at verse 15. I've got to hurry. He says, let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Now this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, we all agree that this is the mindset we need to have. That we don't need to rest upon the past. We need to look to the future. We need to go on and do more for God. We don't need to rest upon what we've done. We don't need to allow the, the mistakes we've made to trip us up. We need to forget those things which are behind. We need to press forward under those things which are before. He said, we all agree in verse 15. Let us therefore as many as be perfect, meaning spiritually mature, be thus minded. And, and, if. <laughs> Boy, let me tell you, I don't know about you, but my, my 2020 is eat up with those and ifs. I don't know what the year is going to hold. I got plans. I got things I want to see God do in, in, in various aspects of my life. But man, that flesh, it, it just lacks that and if part. We understand there is a certain degree of uncertainty in this coming year. And I would say this, that, that we need, this is a time of the year to allow for some things. To allow for some things. You know, the Bible says, let him that, 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 uh, thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Uh, pride has laid more men low than the sword or the guillotine ever could have thought to. Uh, listen, pride has the ability to destroy kings and emperors, uh, paupers and peasants. Pride is a dangerous thing. And Paul says this, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. I would say it this way, and I want to be careful. Maybe I'll have to explain it a little. But this is a good time of the year to allow for some things. For instance, it's a good time of year to allow for the fact that our feet may stray in the next 365 calendar days. He says, if in anything ye be otherwise minded. You know what he's saying? He's saying, don't take for granted that you won't make some mistakes in this next year. Don't take for granted that there might be not be some areas of your life in which you develop a blind spot. You see, here's the reality. Every one of us is prone to failure, prone to fall. And our flesh is bent towards backsliding. Don't take for granted that 2020 is going to be a banner year in your spiritual life. You've got to make sure that happens through consecration to the Lord, commitment to Him, discipline to serve Him and to walk with Him. Don't take for granted that this next year is not fraught with peril. Because it very well could be. 
allow for the fact that your feet may stray. But listen, don't get too nervous because we also allow for the fact that our Father will speak to us if that happens. He says, if in anything you be otherwise minded, don't take for granted that you can't develop blind spots, that you won't make mistakes, that you can't stray, that you can't get. There ain't a one of us might not be in the ditch before we're doing this again in 12 months. Did you hear me? There's not a one of us that might not be in the ditch before we're doing this again in 12 months. There's not a one of us that when the next January 1st rolls around, we might not be our family in pieces, our life in pieces, out of church, away from God, messed up, broke down. There's not a one of us that couldn't wind up there. But do allow for the fact that if we start to head that way, bet on this, the God of heaven will make sure that we hear about it. If we're His child, the Holy Ghost will not let us walk out on God lightly. And be listening, listen carefully. You know how, you know how you wind up? I'm gonna tell this little illustration. I remember one day hearing a fellow tell about this, said that he was on an airplane. This isn't my illustration, because I ain't never set foot on an airplane. I got more sense than that. But this other fellow was on an airplane. And, uh, there was a great storm arose. And they experienced turbulence, and really they experienced turbulence almost through the entirety of the flight. And afterwards, uh, this fellow that was on the plane, he was talking to the pilot about that storm, and, and the pilot said, we, we couldn't even fly by, by instruments. I mean, I, the, the storm was so wild and, and was so outrageous that, that we were just getting blown from one end of the course to the other. And the guy asked him, said, well, how in the world did we ever get here? I mean, we left wherever it was, you know, Chicago and wound up in Dallas or whatever it was. We left there. We flew thousands of miles. How did we leave there and wind up here and not get blown off course? And this is what he said. He said, the autopilot took over. And we were in a constant state of course correction. Every time the wind would blow us off a little bit, that autopilot would kick in and bring us right back where we needed to be. In other words, they didn't wait until they was 200 miles off course and try to get right. But every time they edged a little bit out of the, out of the path, they corrected back into place. Let me tell you something. This, this next year, you might get blown 200 miles off course. But if it happens, it won't be because of one gale or one storm. It'll be because you want in course correcting, little by little, when the Father's voice spake. You know how you can finish out 2020 right? Listen to His voice. Don't take for granted you won't make mistakes. In fact, take for granted you will make mistakes. But commit in your heart that as the Holy Ghost corrects you, as He, as He chastens you, as He instructs you, that you're going to listen to the voice. And you're going to get it right and keep short accounts with God. I think it's a good time to allow for some things. And then look at verse 16 and I'm done. He says, nevertheless, nevertheless, Paul says, I love Paul. You know, he, he, I, you've heard me say this before, but uh, you could tell Paul was a Baptist preacher because he opens up chapter three by saying, finally, my brethren. And he's still got half the book of Philippians to go. Amen. Man after my own heart. Finally, my brethren. He says, nevertheless, at the end of the day, this is what you need to do. He says, whereto we have already attained. Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. I would say 2020, this new year, it's a good time to affirm some things. We live in a time of ever-changing rules and morality and politics. And we need to be reminded in this time of year especially that there are some things that are ever-changing but there are some things that are never changing. And we need to be reminded 
of some things. For instance, I, he says there's some things we need to settle in on, dig in on, stabilize in on. One is this. He said we need to affirm the progress that we've made. He says walk by the same rule. Whereto we have attained, walk by the same rule. Can I, can I summarize that? Can I give you that in, in hillbilly? Don't back up. Don't back up. You may not be able to advance as as quick as you wish you could, but make sure you don't back up. Don't lose ground in 2020. You know what it's a good time to do? It's a good time to say this. I'm not in this next year the spiritual dynamo that I wish I did, but I'm going to make sure that at least I have kept my walk with God clean. I have grown by appropriate steps and bounds. And I'm sure enough going to make sure that I don't wind up in worse shape than when I started the year. He says, don't back up where you've already attained, how you've already achieved, the growth that you've already enjoyed. Make sure you guard that. Make sure you don't let it slip. It's good to affirm the progress we've made. But then notice this, and and I'm done. It's a time to affirm the principles that we've learned. He says, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. What is the thing that he's talking about? Some have claimed he's talking about unity in the church here. But I think in the context, what he's saying is this. He's saying, let us remember what got us this far. This far. He said, let's walk by the same rule that we have already attained, the measure of our walk, the the, the degree to which we've walked with God. But let us also mind the same principles, the same truths that have got us this far are going to keep us going further. What is it that had got him this far? Well, what was the last thing that he had spoke about in this manner? In verse number 15, let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. Thus minded in what way? Pressing toward the mark. Reaching forth, not not looking behind. Moving forward in our walk with God. Not resting upon our laurels. Not regretting our past, but moving forward in our walk with God. That's the thing he's talking about when he comes down to verse number 16. When he says, let us mind the same thing. Let's make sure we're all headed in the right direction. And let's make sure that the thing that got us this far is what we continue to implement. You know, I wish I could give you a more exciting answer. I don't guess I do. I want to, I don't want to give you an exciting answer. I want to give you an effective answer. You know the effective answer? What got you this far? You know what you need in 2020? More of the same. More of the same. What kept your family together in 2019? You know what it was? It was the Word of God. It was the preaching of the Word of God. It was prayer. It was walking with God. It was fellowship with other believers. That's what got you this far. You know what you need? You need more of the same. We always want something new. But the reality is we need more of the same. The principles that we've learned, it's the time to affirm them. 2020 is not the time to throw everything away and try to find something new and exciting. 2020 is the time to settle in on the truths that are eternal, that we know to be true, the things that are tried and tested and continue to walk in the strength of them as we grow closer to the Lord. Let's pray together tonight. Uh, With our heads bowed, a musician will come to play. I've already done my preaching. I'm not going to preach in the invitation. I will just simply ask you, if God spoke to your heart, would you please respond? It's a good time of the year to get some things settled and to get our focus afresh and anew on the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, bless this invitation. May it glorify your Son. May your people get help through it. We ask it in Jesus' name.